His friends call him Ezer and he is the main geezer. We are Hottest 100s and 1000s and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we take a look at every last song that has been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the several voices you'll be hearing for the next hour or so, let's say. Joining me are my co-hosts, Adam Buncher. How are Which you? You're the main geezer. I am the main <laughs> geezer. Let's, let's make no dispute. Uh, Andrew McDonald, how are you? Secondary geezer, I'm well. <laughs> geezer number two. Junior vice geezer. Junior vice, yes. <laughs> and of course, Nathan Harrison. Entry-level intern geezer. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome all geezers. Now, this is our first episode. Thank you very much for joining us. So, uh, just before we get into it, I guess we should probably explain how the four of us came to know each other, because there's a lot of interconnectivity going on here. Andrew, how would you how would you describe how this awesome foursome came together? Nathan and I went to school together. We've been close for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Adam didn't go to school with us, but still a good mm-hmm. friend. David, you as well, didn't go to school with me, but I've come to know you. Oh, shucks. How, when did, yeah. where did, where did you uh, first meet these two, Adam? I did a uh, theatre degree. Nathan was in the year above me. He was doing an honours project that I was part of. Uh, and Andrew, also part of that, which is where I met the both of them in yeah. one fell swoop, which incidentally was just about the, the project itself was just us sitting around talking about music. So yeah, well, there you go. It's kind of just been what we do. Adam was, yeah, Adam was a friend of my sister's first, and mm-hmm. then we connected... Uh, over uh, similar sorts of music. I remember him coming over to my house for my sister's party and going through my album collection and quoting Wayne's World. Yes. And I never ended up... I like what you've done here. Did I end up giving back that copy of Steal This Album? You did, ironically enough. Great. Yes. He borrowed a copy of Steal This Album by System of a Down and ironically didn't give it back for a while. And I eventually... But I did, even more ironically. Yeah. So we we met each other through that. Andrew and I have an interesting one. Uh, We were both at UOW... Um, and there was music playing over the PA. Uh, Hottest 100 Favorites Gorillas was playing the uh, hit single Clint Eastwood from 2001. And we both realized that we knew every word. Yes. That's to say, this guy, this guy right. knows what's up. And then the interconnectivity grew even further when I realized that you knew him. And your sister. He pointed at and me. And my sister. By the way. And we were Twitter we friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great, vi- great visual aspect. Yeah. yeah. I talked to you online a lot of times before I met you. Yeah. So it was a very odd sort a of thing. show. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, you've got mail. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I guess you'd probably be the Meg Ryan in this situation. I'll take it. Yeah. You've got the hair for it. Thank you. That's just a little bit of background as to... Well, the four of us came here today. Now, we are going to be working chronologically through the Hottest 100s, and we are starting with the first ever annual Hottest 100 in 1993. The first one that dealt with the music of that year. And That's yes, correct. The previous times. Yes, so prior to this, the Hottest 100 had been a countdown of your favourite songs of all time. Yeah. It had been won twice by Joy Division, mm-hmm. but then they thought, hey... Why don't we use this as somewhat of a time capsule to capture what was popular at the time? And thus, the Hottest 100, as we know it, was born. Last year, it celebrated its 20-year anniversary, and it got me thinking, man, there's been some really interesting stuff that has come through there, and it's also it has also been a bit of a launch pad for me. Um, discovered a lot of bands through that. So last year, when the 20th anniversary came up, I thought, man, it would be really interesting to go back through and see what has been in the Hottest 100 over the years. So I thought, 
to summon three people that I think I talk with music the most about, more than any other. We all have stuff that binds us, and we all have stuff that we greatly differ on, which I think makes for really interesting discussions. So I thought it would be interesting to bring us all together and see how we would take a look at the history of the Hottest 100. Yeah, this is the Hottest 100 of 1993. Admittedly, we don't have, you know, the, the first-hand experience, but I think that'll, uh, that'll add a little bit to the discussion. So let's start with number 100. First song we're going to be talking about is a collaboration between the legendary Van Morrison and John Lee Hooker, which is a jam on Gloria, also known as G-L-O-R-I-A. Now, this was originally done by Van Morrison's band Them, uh, mm-hmm. Back in the 60s. 64. 64, yeah. Well, there you go. Very specific. <laughs> uh, and then up. when uh, Van and John were touring together, they decided to do a re-recording of it. Now, this is the only time that either act uh, ever featured in the Hottest 100. And it is also a reflection, for me personally, on how I was raised musically. My dad... Big fan of blues and big fan of early proto rock and roll and stuff like that. So my dad got me into John Lee Hooker growing up and my mum was obsessed with Van Morrison. I must have listened to his tapes in the car thousands and thousands of times. So I was already very well aware of this version and these two artists prior to this and it was a really, really great way to look back and just think, Man, that is just a, it's just a very succinct summation of what my parents did for me in terms of getting me into music. So, yeah, I really, really love this song and it was really interesting just to hear artists from two very different backgrounds, you know, Van Morrison coming up through an Irish folk rock scene and John Lee Hooker being one of the, in my opinion, one of the all-time great bluesmen. Hearing them jamming out on this song is just so much fun and, Unfortunately, John Lee Hooker is no longer with us, but Van Morrison is still going. Last year released a album uh, by the name of, I think this sums up his career pretty well, the album's called Born to Sing, No Plan B. And that's pretty much what he's been doing since the 60s, so it is great. It is great to see he's still going, even if he is world-renowned as one of the great pricks of musical <laughs> history. Um, well, what particular stories are Well, there? he's just he's just very no- known for, you know, being very precious about his writers and being performing just to his bed, not to the audience, and just, <laughs> yeah, just being just really Bit rude. Of yeah, right. you know, very arrogant, etc. But, you know... If I was Van Morrison, I'd fucking do that. I'd do whatever the hell I wanted. Now, uh, Nathan, uh, I guess we'll start with you. Yeah, um, sure. Tell me, uh, what's your relationship with Van the Man or John Lee Hooker? <laughs> My dad's a big blues man. Okay. Um, but I don't know if I ever really, like, specifically came across John Lee Hooker in my childhood. I probably did at some point, but not really aware of it. And then I think I started getting into Van Morrison late high school sort of thing. Sort of finding that, and then finding things like Patty, uh, Patty Smith, and all that around that mm-hmm. same time. Probably, I know the song from earlier versions, not this version. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is, yeah, I'm not sure if I ever listened to this collaboration before. Specifically, but. the Patty Smith version from Horses. Yeah, I mean that's right. oh, so good. Oh. As much as you know, yeah. it's obviously Van's song. Like, 
Patty that like when I think of Gloria I think Patty Smith that's, sure. it's, I, I'm coming at it from a similar point of view like that's definitely the version that I thought of like when it started up and I listened to it I thought oh right this is, this is the one that Patty Smith does yeah, yeah. Which is kind of, it's kind of like one of those times where you, where you realise oh okay this is like, uh, that was a cover and uh, <laughs> the, roots, the roots of this is a bit deeper yeah right when you dig and you find that the roots are actually incredibly deep mm, uh, sure were you familiar with other of these artists no, I mean I'm sure I've heard Van Morrison songs before but if I was asked to name one off the top of my head I don't know how competent I would be in doing that John Lee Hooker was an unfamiliar name to me in general okay um, it's just in that grey area of mm. music that I hadn't I guess, really I guess to. for those two I guess Van Morrison's best known song would probably be Brown Eyed Girl which is the yeah. one I would take a stab at yeah. because I thought that was him but I didn't want to and say yeah, it yeah. straight up yeah. yeah. John Lee Hooker John Lee, right. Ho- John Lee Hooker would probably be best boom. known for Boom Boom or Boom okay. Boom Boom yeah. Boom ah ho 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 that sounds about right the most essential kind of Bridge of the gap between like the early Delta blues and the more kind of talking blues mm-hmm. that came later. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what did you think of this version of Gloria? I just love that this is the song that started off the hottest 100 as we know it. Like, I think really? a rock standard that was kind of in the middle of its life at this point. Yeah. It had a history behind it and it had a history yet to come. Uh, kind of kicking off a countdown of 100 songs. It's supposed to, it's basically all about you know, musical history, really, and the, yeah. and the capturing of that. It's incredibly poetic. And also the fact it's just a really good time rock and roll song. It's just sprawling and, 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 and kind of jammable and really accessible. I love this quote that I found from a, a humorous... I don't know, is it like, is it like a comedian? Is it like a, a humorous, a yeah. Different, <laughs> yeah. Dave Barry said um, that you can throw a guitar off a cliff... And as it bounces off the rocks on the way down, it will, by itself, play Gloria. <laughs> which is kind of beautiful. Um, and it also, like, on, on cover versions of Gloria and further versions of Gloria, apparently 2007, Bill Murray played this at a festival? Yeah. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah <I> <laughs> at this point, Bill Murray doing anything is not a surprise. It's too perfect, though. Yeah. <laughs> he stood up, he stood up and, and the reason that he played it, he said, I have a guitar, but this is the only song I know. Yeah. And so that's that's why he played it. So, like, I, I think it's an, it's an awesome... Jam, it's very well listenable, could go on for another 15 minutes longer than it yeah, actually does. And, yeah. I, and I hear, like, in, in some cases it has. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, like, I, I just, I love the poetry of it starting the yeah. 100. Yeah, definitely. Andrew, um, tell us a bit about, uh, yeah, your relationship with the song and your your opinion on, on, the, on the two artists in question in general. I never really had a huge kind of... Um, formative period with Van Morrison. I, I, I know the singles and I enjoy them to a certain degree. Sure. Um, I, I guess my main kind of entry point with him was when he performed with Roger Waters on the Berlin Wall kind of concert. That's where I first oh, got right, yeah. He did the guest vocals on um, Comfortably Numb, which is very good. And that's, I guess, where I looked into him from there because I thought his voice was very nice. Yeah. Um, and I've since come to like him quite a bit. But uh, John the Hookup was, I guess, when I was getting into the blues in late high school, I, he was someone that I really gravitated towards. The Essential John Lee Hooker albums are just wonderful records. Oh, absolutely, just yeah. them now. But this song, I think, is a really wonderful collaboration. I think it's really, really excellent the way it kind of... Because it's a familiar song, be it from Ben Morrison's earlier version with them or the Patti Smith cover, but mm-hmm. the way that this version kind of, I guess, it really inauspiciously kind of shuffles into life. It's like it's a real yeah, kind of gradual really, kick-off. It really builds up, yeah, it's, it? that, it's that John Lee Hooker, that talking blues sound. Yeah. Him kind of noodling on the guitar and half mumbling under his breath. Can't yeah, just throwing it back between each like, other. Yeah. I know this song, but what is this song? Something like that. And then when it kicks into the chorus, the variation yeah. on it, spelling it out, yeah. is just so John Lee Hooker. Totally. And it's but the wonderful, of course, his guitar work just slays when he gets to bust out the solo. Yes. But I, I, I think it's a beautiful song. It's wonderfully done, and it's killer 
just a, a beautiful move of Ben Morrison himself to, I guess, he kind of takes a back seat in this song. He yeah. Like, he, 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 he really lets he knows, JLH yeah, go with it. He right? knows the hooker is the man, and he's oh, not going to sure. step on his toes, and he just lets hooker, like, noodle around and mumble his way through one of his own songs. Yeah. Like, he was honoured to have John Hooker be a part of the yeah. recording. It's, it's just it, a beautiful piece. You, you even hear it in the song. It's like, get it, John. Yeah, exactly, it's, yeah. It's just you can see, like, they're having a ball. Yeah, It sounds so fun and casual and relaxed. The whole thing is just like, oh, why don't we do this? I guess we're these two guys. We can do this. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, the possibilities are endless. I guess, like, of the three versions that are, uh, I guess, the, the, the Smith, them, and this particular version... I, it probably is, I guess, my third favourite of the bunch just because the original, I guess, the chorus is so infectious and so I love singing along. Patti Smith, I will love eternally. Of course. And this version is great and I, I really love it, but it's the one that I'll probably turn to the third most. But sure. No, that's not that's not the disparage at all. It's the quality mm. is set so ridiculously high. But yeah. have you heard the Bill Murray version? Fourth <laughs> <laughs> favourite then. Yeah. It's, it's just so incredible that, it, like... 1964, like that's so old, like for a song to be in this year. Yeah, like, I don't know if there are any back in songs yeah. that are in the hottest 100 oh, at any other point. That's like, an excellent question that we should. We'll have to we'll out. have to look into that. This is this is the last chance we'll ever get to talk about Van Morrison and John Lee Hooker. So, is there anything else that anyone else wanted to add in? I hope we hear more from them in future countdowns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 2014, 2014, lock it in. Yeah, no, number just, one. All right, let's take a listen. This is at number 100, Van Morrison and John Lee Hooker with Gloria. Van Morrison and Johnny Hooker with Gloria. It's time for number 99, all the way from Scotland. This is uh, The Shaman, or The Shaman, depending on who you ask, with Ebenezer Good. And the balloons and the streamers and the confetti are coming down because we are covering our first one-hit wonder. Ooh, hooray. This is a none too so- oh. <laughs> This is surprised this is, this is a none too subtle take on recreational drugs. There are so many drugs. Oh, like, so many. So, so many they could have pulled another hit out of one. <laughs> <laughs> so many drugs, so little time. Uh, they split up in 1999 and various members of the shaman, or the shaman rather, um, still involved with music here and there. Like, they just... 
um, have tiny little projects here and there, but they will never again reach the dazzling commercial heights that Ebenezer Good took them to. This is a very silly and very annoying song, but my lord, is it ridiculously catchy. You put this song on and you'll still be hearing the chorus, even that little synth bit. You'll be hearing that for weeks and weeks on end. I find it really funny in particular, especially, that this Hottest 100 spoiler alert is essentially topped and tailed by novelty one-hit wonders. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's not much you can say about this song. It's, it's a bit... Isn't that? <laughs> it's so brazen. It's, it's, like, it's a very silly, it's a very silly, very bombastic song. This has no replay value. I'm never going to listen to this song again, I can guarantee you, unless it comes up on the radio. But, yeah, but it's, it's it is a, what it is, I guess. It's such a perfect articulation of that early 90s it is. raver culture yeah, it's that's very cool. like open about like drug use being really cool and fun and kind of ironic and all of this stuff mm. and we're just a bit it's crazy pounds and meckies yeah, yeah. yeah. why not let's throw it to Adam uh, on this one now Adam uh, resident of- pill user <laughs> <laughs> actually our resident uh, worker in commercial radio so I can imagine that I'm this- glad that we guys mentioned those two things yeah, right back. one of them is true <laughs> one of them is not true I do work on commercial radio both are don't you kind don't of tell them which one is true <laughs> Ruins the supply. I need to, right? Edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> Employers could be listening to we'll, this. We'll fix that in post. So, Adam, I can only assume that you would have heard this song a couple of times. No, wrong. First really? time, yeah, first time listening to this song was... Because I used to hear this song on Parathem all the time back in the day. Funnily enough, wasn't working in 93, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, but, you know, there's still, like, you know, we're going to have a 90s flashback at yeah. midday and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hadn't heard it. It must have... I mean, there's a lot of other 90s trance stuff that I had heard, some of which is going to be coming up a little bit later on Yes, in this countdown. Okay, um, well, talk us through your first experience with Mr. Ebenezer Good. Well, it opens with that god-awful, freaking naughty, naughty. <laughs> naughty, oh, naughty, naughty. It's so rough, man. Yeah, the guy in the place with a bittersweet face. Punishing. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, you just want to punch them out, yeah. don't you? <laughs> like, the problem with it is, I don't mind if, like, a, some acid house music, like, but these guys are absolutely just the end point of a genre in the same way that, like, I guess happened to like glam rock ended when it got to a saturation point of like alright the image is more important than the the music so yeah, yeah. this is like this is the end of Acid House this pound this horribly broken down breakbeat sample and oh, a man. cheesy synth tune and come up with a euphemism for taking pills and that's a song and so many bands did it and this oh, is man, so much this, this is a great like a shining example something to bring up when anybody says that Austin 100 has turned towards pop music in recent years it's like, <laughs> like, like, like the clock like yeah. naughty naughty yeah. naughty how much do I want to like go into a room with people who have been out on pills like and like severely coming down and just pop this like, like oh, guys <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the best way I can raise my relationship to this song which is yes. still very new is I was, I was <laughs> very on, fresh I was on public transport riding in to this very podcast and I was going through the songs that I had to talk about yep. this one being one I was sitting quite close to someone and like I, I actively checked myself turning down the volumes <laughs> on my headphones in case there was any bleed because yeah. I just did not want someone sitting next to me thinking like oh, it's just you to Ebenezer good yeah. and that's, like, that's it's totally like you know, pioneering the annoying song on train genre. <laughs> oh my god! Could you imagine a lad back in the day just blasting this? It's so, Unfortunately, it's so, yeah. That, that, yeah. yeah okay. Someone with someone with a boombox did that, and oh, that's man. exactly it. And I feel like there is like I can imagine the voter 
I can imagine the, the stereotype <laughs> yeah. of the voter who's just like, yeah, this is my number one we, choice. We, for this we year. need to get Ebenezer Good in there. Oh. Uh, I love it. Yeah, oh. I think it's hilarious. There we go. <laughs> it's, it's so cartoonish. And it like, is, isn't it? Again, it's so brazen and just like. He's so good, and it keeps saying it. And like the film clip shows, like That's the it's it's him at the market, and it's yes. just all about pushing this like it's got that fisheye lens and yeah, everything. But yeah, it's, it's about pushing this like hidden culture at a cartoonish level out into like this public sphere where it's just going to annoy everybody. Oh, and I so, think that, like, so much. Yeah. That's such yeah, an admirable endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> like it's easy for us to be annoyed at it because it's a kind of just. Like, it's a terrible song yeah, or whatever. Sure, yeah. It must have old. pissed so many people off to hear all these kids singing this song about drugs. Mm, and right. I, I don't know, I, like, yeah. I love it. I just, it it's, it's hilarious. It also reminds me of a guy I used to work with who used to always ask me if I was Ian, if my name was Ian. And, uh, like, I was 14 at this point. <laughs> I had no idea that he was, like, he was making a joke about, are you doing ecstasy? Are you Ian? When he asked me if um, I was Ian, and I was like, yeah. The punch, like, no, wouldn't you have loved to have been in the room? Clearly not. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in the room just, uh, just before we move that. on from the, from the shaman, uh, when they came up with the name, just thinking, okay, <laughs> we need to tell them, we need to tell everyone how good ecstasy is. Oh my god, let's call him Ebenezer, but everyone calls him Ezer. Oh my god! <laughs> and it rhymes with geezer! <laughs> We're gonna make so much money! Oh my god! Do they give Nobel Prizes for Acid House lyrics? <laughs> uh, I think yeah, it's a subcategory. It doesn't get yeah, shown on yeah, TV. Yeah. Campaign's still going yeah. on. It's, it's, it's like the hard rock, several, it's like the hard rock album at the Grammys. They don't yeah. show it, but they show it underneath. <laughs> yeah. The Shaman, we hardly knew you. Let's take a listen right now. This is The Shaman, The Shaman, The Shaman with Isabella Good. Moving on to number 98 and the first Australian entry in the Hottest 100. Yay. It's the yeah. legend himself, Uncle Kev Carmody, with the song 
freedom. For those of you playing at home, Kev Carmody is a legend of Australian music, uh, one of the most prominent Aboriginal songwriters of all time, best known for his co-write of Paul Kelly's song from Little Things, Big Things Grow, and uh, was out in the proverbial wilderness for quite some time before he was rediscovered by a new generation uh, who put together a compilation tribute album entitled Cannot Buy My Soul, which featured artists like Claire Bowditch, Bernard Fanning, The Drones, mm. The Herd, The Last Connection, Paul Kelly, obviously, Troy Cassadaly, etc., etc. Yeah, so that became a that became a theatre show. It became a, like a big touring concert, and uh, yeah, it really brought attention to some of the incredible work that Kev Carmody did as a songwriter. Uh, now, this song doesn't appear on the Cannot Buy My Soul compilation, and admittedly, it's not one of his best songs, but it does carry a very similar vibe to what he does as a songwriter. He talks about social justice, and he talks about finding your inner peace and being the best person that you can be. There's an incredible lyric in this song that says, There is more to peace than the absence of war, and I think that is such a beautiful line. Now, he, like everyone else that we're going to be talking about in this episode, this is the only time that they appear in the Hottest 100, but uh, the legacy uh, definitely does live on to this day. Kev is still regarded as a widely respected and hugely revered figure of Australian music. Now, Andrew... um, you're a big Drones fan, like I am. I can only assume that your first interaction with the work of Kev Carmody, apart from from Little Things, Big Things Grow, might have been the Drones cover of River of Tears from a few years ago. My actual um, first introduction to him was uh, my parents playing him. I grew oh, up, there you go. Yeah, not uh, particularly like well, like like a common part of my childhood, but like. Yeah. Um, I was very familiar with um, his song Eulogy for a Black Person, which yeah, if you which haven't heard, incredible. I couldn't recommend it enough. It's a yeah. really moving piece of music. And knowing that song, and I guess also um, Thou Shalt Not Steal, also a brilliant track, yeah. um, those are songs of his that I really, really regard. And I think those two are much, much better than this particular track. I like yeah. this song enough. Yeah. But like, I guess apart from a few key lyrics and an admittedly killer didgeridoo line, yeah. it remains a kind of inauspicious folk track. Yeah, and, but it's impossible to talk about Kev mm. it, a, a, external to like an Aboriginal context. And I think he's done some incredible things. Yeah, and he's a wonderful, brilliant musician. Yeah, this song not one of my favourites. Yeah, but I the, um, the backing the backing vocals are a bit too well music. Yeah, they're a bit, on, yeah, they're a yeah, bit yeah. on the nose. But I do like I, it's just wonderful to see him in the countdown at all, even if it yeah. is this early and this late. But yeah, like yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Nathan, had, do you have much experience with drones? With, with drone, like, yeah, but I think uh, I saw the drones in uh, 08 or 09 and yeah. he supported them at the yeah, metro, yeah, yeah. and that was it was stunning just the whole time. And I think later on in that gig, the drones played River of Tears as well, and it was which just is like, a, one of my favorite covers of all time. Personally. It's, 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 out of the park. Yeah, it's it's stunning. But it, so really, it makes me proud of Australian music that we have a band that can can do a cover of, that, a, of such an important songwriter. And make it so special, and, and yeah, exactly. Bringing that to his Taking that to the stuff. next level, it's, yeah, yeah. So, what's your relationship with this song? Have you heard it before? I don't think I had. Song? Yeah, no. So, I don't really have one, I guess. But like, you know, listening to it and thinking, as like as you say, you, you can't listen to his music or talk about it without looking at the context. And, yeah, you know, sure. Marbo was the year before that. 
had the Redfern speech happened or was about to happen? Yeah, around that around yeah. that time. So yeah. like, I, I think there's a lot of optimism in the song. Yeah, and, definitely. And mm. that's sort of like you can see that in a lot of change that was happening. And I think we could argue that uh, that change didn't really come through. Unfortunately, yeah, but, it's, but, not. but it's not a dirge like say eulogy is a eulogy yeah, is yeah, exactly. Yeah, like compared to a lot of, of a lot of other Kev stuff, he's just it's full of hope and optimism yeah. And, yeah. and joy and it's, it's really lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adam, uh, was it From Little Things, Big Things Grow, that was your yeah, first exposure to Yeah, pretty much. And I'm also, yeah. I'm also a big fan of that Drones cover as well. Yeah, quite obviously. amazing, amazing. I think I actually saw that Drones cover on TV like late one night just yeah, kind of on Rage, yeah. And whatever. I think it was a live, it was a live performance. Oh, yeah, it. they were. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was just kind of, I'd never heard the drones before. Um, oh, wow, so what was, an intro. That was my first yeah. into the drones and my first into Kev Carmody's writing and my first into that particular song. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where I stumbled upon it and I couldn't turn away. And I think that's what caught my attention towards the drones. Sure. For yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we're not talking about the drones. <laughs> <laughs> the drones themselves have never been in the Hottest 100. That's a shame. Yeah. But Kev has, and that's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get back to Uncle Kev. Um, Adam? Talk- in much the same way that I talk about the poetry of having Gloria as the number 100 song, yeah. for this to be the first Australian song to get into a Hottest 100, I also yeah. think is, in- is incredibly great, because it embraces such a great, unique Australian sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it embraces you know a great Aboriginal folk sound and whatever, um, and an Aboriginal music sound in there as well. And also, like... Aside from that, it's a really light, catchy, uplifting kind of song. It's great to be in the presence of. I've only kind of listened to it a, a couple of times, but I can all, I just know the, the guitar line in my head. I know what those backing vocals sound like. I, I know the hooks. They're there. They're yeah, invented. Sure. And, like, it's great to, to behold. Like, it's yeah, great. It's a, it's a very uplifting song. It's got a good spirit to it. If it, was, if it was playing incidentally somewhere or, you know, I happened to stumble upon it on the radio, I wouldn't change the channel. I'd keep it on. I'd pump it up. It's, 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 a great, yeah. it's a great song. It's a great little song. All right, let's take a listen to it now. This is Kev Comedy at number 98 with Freedom. Freedom will come. Freedom will come. Welcome freedom. Justice. Justice will come. Welcome justice. Spirit, the land is my lord. The industrial savages keep the old press so poor. Resistance will break the stealth eagle's claw. Peace is much more than the absence of war. Comedy with Freedom at number 98, and right now, let's go to number 97, 
It's an interesting one. Another person that we are never going to hear from again in the Hottest 100, except for ten years later when a little band called Placebo would cover one of her songs. We are talking about Kate Bush. The song is Rubber Band Girl. I have to throw it out there. I've never been a massive Kate Bush fan. She always shat me as a kid. Um, growing up, I was never into her kind of stuff. I found her a bit too annoying, I found her a bit too twee, a bit too camp. I guess I kind of softened over time. I've just like if the Bushka came on I wouldn't I wouldn't turn it off, you know. I've started to I guess tolerate is the relationship that I have with Kate Bush. I know some some other, you know, a lot of my gay friends are just like die hard Kate Bush fans. I'm just like, oh yeah, she's alright, I guess. How do you find this song? I actually don't mind this one. I think I think because it's a bit less serious and it's a bit more poppy and a bit more upbeat than the stuff that I was used to, like Wuthering Heights, obviously, you know, the big morose serious ballads and stuff like that. Also, this has a fucking ridiculous video, and that kind of added video, added yeah. to the charm for me. It's just She's like, middle fan. yeah, it's like, damn, she looked good in 1993. So I I think this is this has got its merits. I think it's a it's a decent song, but yeah, Nathan, let's kick it to you. Um, what's, what's your relationship, uh, with, with, uh, the first lady of Scrooging? Slim to nil. Slim to nil, really? Just, yeah, no, like, she exists on the periphery of my cultural sure. capital. I just, yeah, I don't know, I just never... So, so where do you come from in this song? What's, what's your, what's your take I've on I've never it? been anti-Kate Bush. Right. Just Captain Neutral? Yeah, pretty much. Like, some stuff I've been like, oh, you know, that's, like, that's not without its merit, that's fine, but it's not something that I think... I would I have ever pursued and I can't see me doing that at any point. Maybe I will. Who knows? But sure. um this song is fine. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's a, really there is a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah for a yeah. song that came out in ninety three, it, it does, does, like does eighty three. Yeah, it does have a very eighties yeah. vibe to it, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's just like I don't know, if, if I didn't know it was ninety three, I would have been like, No, this is early eighties. Yeah, yeah sure. like just that the horn lines and it's just like yeah, and well, that, like, like that gated just, snare sound you know, as well. Somehow, yeah. like, um, Kate Bush was meant to be in Labyrinth, the film, and she was oh, meant yeah. to jump out and do this song at some point. Yeah, it's very... What? That's not true. No, no, but it's not in the film. <laughs> it feels like it's a weird B-side cousin to Dance Magic Dance or something. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> Let's, let's be very careful what we say about Magic Dance. <laughs> Everyone loves that song. Yeah. Good. That's the correct opinion. <laughs> but I wasn't. I wanted, didn't want to yeah. get into the territory where we're going to have disagreements about no. that. Andrew, yeah. does, uh, Andrew, does Kate Bush remind you of the band? Um, she's never been a huge person on my radar. <laughs> yeah. I've, like, my, the only time I really knew her, I, I only I think I heard Wuthering Heights for the first time within the last five years or something, to be honest. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh, many years ago, I had a, an 80s New Wave compilation CD. It's one of those budget CD compilations and that had Running Up That Hill on it and that mm-hmm. song I think is excellent and yeah, I heard, sorry, yeah. when I heard that song I'm like I should look into that person and when I did look into her I realised that most of it is, doesn't really have that kind of that kind of lush kind of Depeche mode new ordery post-punk sound mm-hmm. and yeah. that song I really like that song and that's kind of it for me this song I think is fine um, it's an inauspicious quasi-forgettable pop song with uh, more I think probably slightly more flaws than benefits it's hooky sure. enough the extended outro goes on far too long. Oh my god! The sax it? line, the sax and the horns are just so there. Um, <laughs> even like, like I, I, Jeff Beck, I think is a wonderful guitarist. He plays the guitar on this song, um, and he, right. even, even his guitar solo on this is just so dated. Yeah, Everything yeah. about this song is dated. <laughs> it's very dated. Yeah, it's, it's not horrible, yeah. but there's no way you'd ever think to yourself. Even making, if you're making even a Kate Bush 
greatest hits compilation, you would think yeah. twice. Yeah, definitely. For me, like, I really wish that there was a radio edit for this song. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, let's get it down to, like, three minutes, you know. This is that's, just that's way too much. kind of song it feels like it's meant to be as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. It's just oh, like, this is not supposed to go for five and a half minutes. Yeah, Adam. All right, yeah, let's, let's agree with that. Adam. Part of its charm is that it sits in a really nice energy. Like, it, 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 it's kind of a bit bombastic. It, it pounces it out. There's a lot of really bouncy sounds happening and really bouncy production. Which is, you know, really great for the kind of pop song it is. And I think it benefits from being a little bit longer and kind of sitting in that groove a little bit more. Okay. It also, probably to the song's detriment, allows Kate Bush to say the word rubber band far more <laughs> than she probably should. And also, like, so many of the lyrics are just, like, the, the, the line, a rubber band keeps me trousers up. What? That's a, that's a lyric... That's a lyric in there, and then she's also got the other line, well, you know, a rubber band girl me, and it's just like, you, if you're gonna do the, like, if you're gonna be a cockney, like, be a cockney, like... Of course. <laughs> well, kind of wish you did, like, oh, so it's a bit of wasted opportunity there, minus marks. <laughs> um, did you know much about Kate Bush before listening to this song? I'd heard Bobushka, and I'd heard Running Up That Hill, and I'd, yeah. and I'd, and I'd had an awareness of... Um, Wuthering. Wuthering, and what is it, like, leotards? An awareness of Leah. Like, <laughs> she's born Leotards. Oh, she's a shitload of Leotards. Yeah, yeah, I always yeah. associate Kate Bush with Leotards and people like doing big hand gestures and yeah, yeah. being a bit just very camp, very theatrical. Yeah. yeah. As far as as far as like engaging with pop songs, slightly ironically, you can do it pretty okay here without it being too much of a thing. Like it, I don't know. I don't. I don't mind being in the presence of this song. It's it's high energy. It's it's fine. Mm. Um, I'm not crazy for it. And there are a lot of things about it that annoy me. But I think like in terms of what it does, you know, there's there's a market for it. Sure. Yeah, there are people who get into it. And there are people. Oh, who of course, it. there always will be. Yeah. Let's take a listen. This is uh, number ninety-seven. Kate Bush with Rubber Band Girl. Bush with Rubber Band Girl at number 97 in the 1993 Hottest 100. Okay, the final song that we are going to be talking about for this episode, this came in at number 96, and like every other song, as I mentioned, it's the only time that we're going to hear from this particular act, 
It's 10,000 Maniacs. <laughs> Candy Everybody Wants is the name of this song. A very misleading band. Five members, all of which are sane. <laughs> a bit of trivia. Um, <laughs> now, we're five songs in, and we have already found one of the most 90s songs that we are going to be talking about for this entire mm. thing. Now, this band is so 90s that my relationship with them began and ended with their appearance on Sabrina the Teenage Witch uh, many, many, many years ago. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, Yeah, they were kind of settled into that adult adult alternative, like AOR kind of stuff. And I guess that's not... It was never really my thing, you know. I I guess I have a a soft spot for soft rock from the 70s just because of my parents... I I kind of like Six Pence and Under Richer, like in 1998, like when that song first came out, and, and my sister was really into the cause as well. Mm-hmm. This kind of settles into was really into the everyone's cause. sister was into the cause, right? And their sisters' brothers. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any sisters, but <laughs> so yeah, like it's just it's just light and inoffensive. There's some nice little bits in this song. I like the little stabs of horns, and I like the hey. Hey, it just settles into a nice little spot, and I'm just like, oh, that's kind of nice. Like, I doubt I'm going to be uh, uh, lusting after any more 10,000 Maniacs <laughs> after we're done talking about them, but, uh, you know, they had their time and their place, and also, they have obsessive fans, because literally every band that you can ever think of has obsessive, diehard, cultish fans. Which I find fascinating. Even if they mm. only, you know, were there for like a second on the radar, mm. they have undying, unwavering psycho fans. You can find them in comment boards if you're if you're looking for them. They're yeah. they're all around there. Um, so it's the same yeah. thing true for the shaman. Yeah, <laughs> there probably <laughs> are some hardcore shaman people out there. You never Definitely. know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet one. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've already met a bunch. Of them. <laughs> we didn't talk about the shaman, but I know yeah. who they are. <laughs> now, Adam, you hey. you've you've known at least ten thousand maniacs in your time. Not at least. At least. Yeah. Uh, tell tell us what you thought of this one. It's okay. It's, you know, like, yeah. that's, that's kind of, like, it's, where it's it sits. It's similar to Rubber Band Girl in that you can't really feel strongly one way or the other. Yeah. I feel like there are people who could feel more strongly for Rubber Band Girl than there are people who could feel more strongly for this, which is kind of weird because it did place higher, albeit mm. only the next kind of spot. Just slightly, yeah. I like the horn line. Um, yeah, the horns are sort of the highlight. The horn and the guitar is like, yeah, it's, it's all about dead horns. Um... But it just feels kind of insubstantial. Like, even to the fact that when the vocals kick in, it's like, it's, oh, right, we're on. The song started now. Yeah. Like, the guitar never really changes. It just kind of does its thing in the background. The horns are the only thing that kind of punctuates the song in any way. The hooks are, like, they're hooky, but they're not really pop hooky. Like, it's so it's kind of, like, never really hits anything for me, and it kind of floats along and kind of breezes past me like fog. It's there and it's gone, and it's like, okay... It's that quintessential kind of jangle pop sound that you know would have been played on a college radio sure. between two other songs. That's what yeah. would have broke them. Exactly, yeah. But it's yeah. It, And there's nothing wrong with the song. I actually yeah. think it's like a, a song that I could get far more invested in than Rubber Band Girl. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. But it's like, it's like a, I don't know, it's that, that regular kind of college pop rock sound, The that, that I guess that Cure-esque shimmering guitar that keeps coming back in and out. The horns yeah. are fun. Her vocals are fun. I enjoyed the song. I will play it Again, maybe. Yeah, I guess yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, 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 I can't see me thinking, yeah. man, now that's a band that I will check out. Yeah, I've got to get that album. Yeah. yeah. It is it, it is fine for what it is. It's kind of like the yeah. vitamin water of songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
That's a great analogy. You never, see anybody, you never see anybody drinking it, but you know it exists. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're there in the shop. It's like oh, I don't want regular water. <laughs> I want a little bit of flavor. I want to do a soft drink. Oh, yeah. I know. It's a little bit of flavor, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, what, what was it? Yeah. What what flavor did you find this to be? It's just light. Light. Like yeah. I don't. Like, it's it's just like something. it's meant to be like you know like like orange light, but. The orange is missing, and it's just like I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think it's it's fun. It's kind of lovely. Like I think it's interesting how back all the vocals are, and like that's yeah. the vocal yeah. melody is not apparent at all, and it's kind of just this thing that's happening next to the song or whatever. And I think that's kind of I don't know, quite interesting. Just actively, especially for you. a pop song, it's just yeah. like it's weird that the vocal hook isn't what keeps you there. Well, it's just encapsulated yeah. in that little hey. It's like, yeah, still here, yeah. still singing. Yeah, exactly. Hey, don't um, disturb you. I mean, and I think, like, songs like that, you know, without that, we wouldn't have had Sixpence on the Richer, Natalie and Brilliant, like, all of that sort of stuff. I think this is very much, I don't know, maybe there was some of it beforehand, or maybe not. Yeah. But, and, and even, like, in the clip, there's... There's stuff that led up to this. Yeah. yeah. And the film clip is all, like, you know, this kind of ironic... It's so ...advertising yeah. stuff, and yeah. it's like, yeah, I remember that... You know, that's a huge that part of nineties yeah. attitude for music. That's, that's and especially when like, you know, halfway through there's um an ad with the song title on it. And it's like, yes, like yeah, so that's like, ah. that's a really strong nineties. That whole video like, does look like a commercial, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. But that's a really like that's a nineties thing to sort of Definitely. be like sideways looking at yourself and the idea of being a band making money and everything. Yeah, like totally. So, I don't know, like it's it's interesting. Like as a song it's 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 just a background song. Yeah. It's nothing yeah. that jumps out. Even lyrically, it kind of reflects upon that idea as well. Like it's talking about the idea of of, of really selling hard. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And, and you know the idea of love and whatever is marketable and it's certainly bringing in like the irony of the nineties. I think. Yeah, oh, that's the way that pop music dealt with that. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're laughing at after Kate Bush. and we're yeah. laughing with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, let's take a listen. This is number ninety six in the nineteen ninety three hundred one hundred. It's ten thousand maniacs. The candy everybody wants. That was 10,000 Maniacs with Candy Everybody Wants, and that brings us to the end of our first episode. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, now, before we go, let's quickly go around and nominate our 
uh, the song that we liked the most and the song that we hated the most. I'm not prepared for this! You didn't tell me we'd bring this man! Um, alright. It's it's pretty simple. Just to recap, just to recap, the songs that we talked about today were Van Morrison and John Lee Hooker performing Gloria, The Shaman with Ebenezer Good, Kev Carmody with Freedom, Kate Bush Rubber Band Girl, and 10,000 Maniacs with Candy Everybody Wants. Now, in perfect order, actually, my favourite song that we've talked about today was Gloria, and my least favourite was definitely Ebenezer Good. I think that's the, that, that, that's the only opinion to have. That is absolutely the way it is. <laughs> I want to be obnoxious and just say that Ebenezer's my favourite. <laughs> I want to say on, Ebenezer is both my favourite and least favourite. Hey! Okay. It's an ultimate love favourite. Which it's not. It's least favourite Kate Bush and yeah. um, most favourite Ebenezer. Nice. <laughs> Adam? Take that Van Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Gloria does stand out quite strongly as a, as a highlight. It's yep. just kind of... Really beautiful. And your um, least favorite? I don't want to. I don't want to. You have oh, to. Uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Come on, we all do. Go to your head. Y- your family is strapped to a bomb. Least favorite, go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. good. They're dead. You took too long. I think Ebenezer Good needs to be there. It needs to survive. Like I don't want to erase that from from musical history. I'm going to go Candy. Everybody wants. All right, fair oh, enough. It's just kind of it's just kind of there. All right. I'm going to live for another day. Yes. <laughs> and Ebenezer Good remains in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, that will do us. Thanks again very much for listening. On behalf of Adam Buncher, Andrew McDonald, and Nathan Harrison, my name is David James Young. This is Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands. Keep music evil. Goodbye. As a great philosopher once said, naughty, naughty, naughty. Nature, right? Yeah, Yeah, that was was definitely nature. Might have been Plato, but you know. It's so right. Nature might have been sampling Plato. (laughs) It is sample culture. (laughs) Hottest 100s and thousands is filmed in front of a live studio audience.